Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about fear itself. And this is episode four, I believe. I've already, I'm already losing track. I'm like, how are we already on episode four? I feel like this season's going by really fast because we're not doing the spoiler section. So it's kind of like, whoa, we're already on the next episode. And I adore this episode. I think I'm a sucker for any Buffy episodes that really lean into more of the horror aspect of things, but also do it on more of a meta level. I find that horror is just the best genre when it comes to really dissecting into people's psyche and their fears and like what makes them tick. Um, and this episode has major callbacks to two of my other favorite Buffy episodes, which is season three's Helpless and then season one's Nightmares. What did you guys think of this episode? I really like it, but I will say I wish there there are things that I would change about this episode or wish that Ooh, there are things that I wish they did better. Okay. Um, I don't dislike it. I think it's really fun, but like I wish it was a little bit more on the the dread side than the oh this is a creepy maze side like i want to be on like uh, the like you go through and you're like <gasps> like you know like like help us where you're like oh this is actually like really terrifying whereas this one's kind of like creepy yeah but it's got like a lot of comedic moments mm, yes that, like undercut. i wish they were a little yeah. bit scarier i wish they sure. were a little bit like oh shoot like even the decorations and i get it like the decorations are very frat boy like even when you're walking around you're like oh this is still like a frat boy maze house um mm-hmm. but i wish it was like when it changed it was like Scary, scary. I think that would have been really fun. I love this episode. I think yeah. it's... Yeah. I, no, I really do. I think one of the main reasons I love it is there's a lot of Oz. Yeah, And like, True. And it's like, right. it's so nice seeing so much Oz. I'm like, I love you. But it's also just like we get more of Anya and her personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles actually gets to do something. Yes. But I also just feel like the the style of this episode is very interesting like it is a little creepy but it's also a little kooky like it's Mm -hmm. i like it i think it's kind of like this episode really doesn't remind me of very many like i know it reminds you of episode sarah but like this episode really has always stood out to me and i like how every like halloween ish episode that they do in the buffyverse feels very different from the Mm -hmm. rest um and i don't know i like this episode i think that it's just entertaining to watch and like i feel like we get a lot from each character that we haven't really gotten before which i like for having such a i know i just said it, it leans into the horror aspect it has a very light feel mm-hmm. but it has some really deep moments that i'm like oh every time we watch it like buffy's in particular i'm like this is really interesting so i'm really excited to talk about that and i think you know, anytime the characters dress up in costumes, that really kind of gives you an insight to what their character is thinking about and going through. And yeah, so I think maybe I've, I'm I've watched um, Stranger Things season four too closely to this, but it's like if we had some like maybe some flashbacks or some characters that we know, like like what if we had like um, Willow's parents pop up and then like you know mm-hmm. like reprimand her or like Buffy's dad or like. Oz fully turn into the monster or just like you know what I mean like make it a little bit more like kind of 
whoa, like this is crazy. Actually, there's a lot of parent issues because I'm like, I could bring Xander's parents into yeah. this. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I think that like bringing Buffy's dad back would kind of be like a repeat of season one. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we get it. She has dad issues. Willow's parents not coming back is so on brand for her parents because they're yeah. so absent that it's like, right. of course, she wouldn't think about them when she's fearful. She doesn't think about them at all. Xander's parents is the one that I could definitely see more because he definitely obviously has like a fear of his dad kind of. And I kind of like that Oz doesn't really fully turn into like the major monster because it's a lot of it is just psychological. So I'm just saying that I just wish it went more in that direction. Just make mm. make it like crazier, make it like creepier, just like fully lean into that aspect. I don't know. I think Buffy goes there at certain places. I think this episode accomplishes what it wants to accomplish. It's, I mean, sure. let's think about it. It's only episode four in the season. So they're trying to set up storylines to go into and delve into deeper later on, hopefully in the season or later on in the series. So as far as a like an episode where I'm like, wow, we actually get to kind of discuss where each of these characters are at. I was very satisfied because I feel like up until now, it's been a lot of focus on Buffy and even Xander. And I feel like we haven't really known where Willow is at. We've kind of gotten glimpses of Giles and then Oz, we've had like nothing. So I feel like this episode was like, yes, finally, like there's tension between Willow and Oz. And I'm like, there's like this dimension, like we were waiting for this, this entire time. They definitely do kind of like you said, set up for this season, this episode, which I really didn't realize they did until we watched this episode. So I do agree with you with that. Like everything that they bring up, they do really well. And it's like, there's a payoff for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. Um, Directed by Tucker Gates, written by David Fury. It aired October 26, 1999. So this is the seventh and last episode of the series without any vampires. So The Witch was the first episode that didn't have any. Then it was The Pack. Then I, Robot You, Jane. Then The Puppet Show. Then Inca Mummy Girl. And then Living Conditions. So it's kind of interesting. I guess all of season three and the majority of season two had vampires in them, but season one, other than Ink Mummy Girl, it's because yeah. of Angel. Yeah. I always thought about that because I was like, there's no way that there's like that many vampire, like evil people. Right. But then I realized I was like, it's because the first three seasons had a reoccurring character who was a vampire. Well, and Angel was in like literally half of the screen time in season one, probably like. More Not even. Or I think Angel's only in maybe three or four episodes. Yeah. And one of them, he's like fully in it. And then the other ones, he's in maybe like a third of it. Yeah. Or not even. He's just in a scene. He'll pop in. Like I think of um, Out of Mind, Out of Sight. He's in two scenes in that one. How to Kill a Boy on – or not How to Kill a Boy. Never Kill a Boy on the first date. <laughs> uh, I'm like, How to Kill a Boy on the first date. She um, did not kill Owen. He is in that one actually a lot more than he is in like uh, – Prophecy Girl, I feel like it's a close second. But – um, the external shots of the frat house are from the Rosenheim Mansion, the same that would be used as the murder house in American Horror Story, um, which, fun fact, Tim Minear, who's a writer and co-showrunner over on Angel, actually worked on American Horror Story as well. Um, the title Fear Itself is a reference to Franklin D. Roosevelt's famous The Only Thing We Have to Fear is Fear Itself speech from 1933. Um, and then I mentioned before, I love the parallels to my favorite episodes, Nightmares. This feels like a much more grown up version of what we got in Nightmares. Like instead of them 
focusing on like, oh no, this is like all a bad dream. I'm having nightmares. It's about the their fears or external and fears. Other than Buffy, yes. everyone else had external fears, like the yeah. the clown um, stage fright, um, uh, mm. waking up naked in a classroom. Whereas this yeah. one's all like psychological, which is really fun. Yes, it feels very adult. Like now yeah. we're not so much worried about spiders and stuff like that anymore, even though right. I like the little reference to that. Um, it's like, okay, I, how am I fitting in? Am I being seen by my friend group? Um, the Scoobies are all wrestling with who they are, who they want to be, even Giles. I love that they are bringing Anya in. And oh, we'll talk about Anya in a second. But I love that Anya is kind of a literal representative of what everyone's going through. She's newly human. She's trying to figure out who she is. And so in a lot of ways, her journey is reflective of the rest of the gang who are trying to figure out who they are. So it's really cool to kind of see like her fit in with that. Um this episode also parallels Helpless, which is no surprise as David Fury wrote both of those episodes, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Passion the Nerd does a wonderful job in his analysis video, which I highly recommend you guys checking out. He talks about how the worst part of making a choice in life is not the leap into action, but it's actually that moment before, the inaction. When you're so paralyzed by fear, you're too afraid to make a choice. The waiting around to make a decision is the place where your anxiety and fear often rise up. In a lot of ways, this represents most of the gang in this episode, but mainly it reflects Buffy. She's afraid to move forward into another relationship and further into adulthood because she doesn't want to get hurt again. And I find that so, so relatable. Not only is that such a, like, after your first heartbreak type of thing, um, but that's also such a high school thing is, like, every relationship after, like, mostly high school but also just like after your first relationship is it's harder because you're going in with baggage you're going in with turmoil and trust issues and <laughs> all that like it's not you don't love blindly anymore um yeah and i think we talked about that in the prom right when angel oh, breaks up with sure. her and we're like when she's crying we're like that first heartbreak you are innocent you've never yeah. experienced that before and so you mm. love fully and from here on out i think buffy holds back a little bit of herself from fear of feeling that same heartbreak again. But that's also so realistic. That's so human. Yep. Like, yep. and that's so college too. Like you're going into college, you're just like kind of like, ooh, like you're scared. And yeah. Yes. You don't know who you are. You don't want to get hurt again. Like, yep. And so I love how relatable and realistic that is. Mm-hmm. And I think about too, like how much of life do we not live because we're so afraid of what others will think like, or what might happen if we try something new or, or if we love someone a little bit too deeply or whatever. And so I think this episode is a really, really great reminder for us and for the Scoobies that we still have to move forward. You keep having to live life and being stagnant is actually one of the worst things you can do. And that's the opposite of maturity, right? We talked about in the prom, once again, like not moving forward, not progressing, not growing, not trying new things. Vampirism is a metaphor of that because you have to constantly be growing up and moving forward. And that's what it means to be human. Dang, good therapy session, guys. I know, right? All right, there Very we go. philosophical. <laughs> All right, guys, we're done. <laughs> Me and Sarah are really trying to convince everyone to love this episode. We start out this episode with the gang carving pumpkins how cute oh, you know I this, love moments like the this. start of this episode reminds me of um there's an episode like the beginning that- of season two yes where they're watching yeah. like a tv show and like xander's braiding mm-hmm. willow's hair they really like to show like camaraderie before everyone just separates <laughs> yeah they, they're <laughs> true yeah, they do 
Yeah, I don't remember. It's one of the early early episodes of season two, but I don't remember which one it is. But I feel like it's it's really rare to see the gang kind of just be normal while hanging out in like a non-bronze environment. It's just weird to see them all like idle doing normal things like watching TV or like carving pumpkins. You're like, you guys actually do like normal like high school, early college things. It's so weird to watch. Yeah, this this whole scene is really interesting. I think they did it intentionally. First of all, the setting. They are sitting in Xander's basement mm-hmm. and they're carving pumpkins and Xander's like, oh, let's watch a movie. I, I bought a scary horror movie. And they're doing this intentionally to show like – Okay, so slight spoiler for those of you who have not watched Stranger Things season four. Sorry, I'm going to talk about it real fast, but like, sorry, I brought it um, up. I know <laughs> it's okay. I broke the seal. We're rewatching season three right now, and it's interesting how like the rest of the gang is kind of growing up, except for Will. And Will's like, "Hey, let's go back and Poor play Will. games. Let's do stuff." You know what I mean? And I feel like Xander is the Will of the group at this point because he's the only one that hasn't moved forward into college. And so in a lot of ways, his life has stayed mostly the same. And so them coming to his basement, him wanting to watch the movie, him wanting to carve pumpkins. I'm like, I'm assuming it's Xander's idea to do most of this stuff. He's trying to keep the gang together. He's trying Mm -hmm. to find his place and his niche within the gang. And that fits in really well with him feeling kind of invisible by the end. Poor Will. Like any of the buyer family does not catch a break. (laughs) I know, right? Seriously. I know. Someone said like – I think Nancy was telling Jonathan, she's like, your mom is like stressed out. Like she worries too much. And I was like, can you blame her? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, her child is literally like stuck in a different dimension for forever. The show would not be the same if it weren't for Joyce's character in general. Joyce is the She literally gets – she gets everything done. She sees everything that's about to happen. (laughs) She's like, guys, we got – everyone everyone questions her every time. Like, guys. I know. Why do we still question Joyce? (laughs) I know. Believe her. Joyce is the best man. I love her. They don't make her clueless. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they make her a little paranoid, but like, girly, same. All these TV moms named Joyce, I'm here for it. They're amazing. All right, moving on. Back to Buffy. <laughs> we'll save it for our Stranger Things podcast. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be done for that in a few years, but not right now. Uh, that is not saying we have a Stranger Things podcast. Two is enough for me right now. Thank you. Yeah. So they're carving pumpkins, and then poor Buffy is like depressed in the corner. Kind of droopy, thinking about Parker. Um, Xander mentions that he got a scary movie, which he thought was Phantasm, and it's Fantasia. Do you guys remember watching Fantasia? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I watched Leah. it all the time with my kids. <laughs> How could I freaking forget, bro? <laughs> it's Leah's my favorite, like, I don't even know what you would call this. Like Sick a, movie? Like a, par- like a party, like, um, hey, guys, you want to watch something as a joke? Well, you guys are weird. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Fantasia's lame i know i'm playing for that <laughs> but it's so boring it's literally just classical music over mickey mouse like doing mm. stuff to the music i do think that it would be really crazy to watch while you're like high or intoxicated or something because you're like whoa like overstimulation <laughs> and they start talking about like the scary house on campus how everyone they know has gone um and then they start mentioning like the party they went to last weekend poor xander i will say and y'all yeah okay i for this episode and this episode alone, I am pro Xander. Everything that he goes through, everything that he says, I'm like, I really feel for him. Like, even this moment, he's like, oh, but he doesn't make it about himself. He doesn't really say much. And then they're like, oh, like, Xander, you can come. And he, like, lights up, like, so quickly. The poor dude. Like, I really don't envy his position. Like, I really do feel like living in your parents' basement, we kind of get glimpses of his parents' 
relationship with him and their relationship with each other. Um, not being on campus with his friends and them just not really we don't we haven't seen them patrol as like a group of friends at all this season, which is also I know weird I kind of miss it. Yeah. The group in general just feels very mm-hmm. not fractured, but just kind of separated. Yeah. Yeah. They're all leaving kind of separate lives right now. And here's the thing. Honestly, I've had zero complaints with Xander so far this season. Yeah. I feel like he has shown some maturity. He's actually like, I feel like old Xander would be over there complaining all the time about what he's doing. But instead, he's trying to bring the group together. I don't know. I feel like the way he's even treating Anya has been really respectful and yeah, really understanding. And I don't know. I'm just like, I'm really digging the new Xander. I think it's because his audience in high school has been taken away and his angst has been taken away. But I also do kind of get the vibe that he's a little bit like depressed. Yeah. I think Giles is too. (laughs) Honestly, both of them just feel very like lost and just kind of like not really addressing that they're depressed, but just kind of trying to like stay busy. Um, Yeah. I really do feel for both, specifically both these characters in season four in general, but Xander has been really kind of growing on me so far. And I know he would, like, literally since he gets better, but I didn't realize how quick of a switch he would have. Yeah, I and agree. part of me is just like, is this realistic? But eh, Is whatever. this going to last, too? Yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah. mm. <laughs> So they invite Xander to go to the, the haunted house. And then Buffy is like, you know what? I'm going to leave. I want to go home and go to bed. And then Willow offers to go with her, which is such a sweet thing. Yeah. Um, I love when friends can just kind of read each other's energy and be like, "Like I'm going to fill in where they are not asking me to fill in, um, which is very important. And she's like, no, I'm just going to go. And then Oz is like, she's suffering from post-Parker syndrome. I kind of like how they're seeing, we see the effects of what happened like last episode still in this episode with yeah, Buffy. Yeah. Just because I know it's like, it's a big deal. And I like how obviously like we know that Buffy has issues with sex now like with everything with Angel it's like and then with Parker it's like that poor girl I would not blame her if she'd never want to have like sleep with anyone ever again like with the experience that she had so I like that it's like she's still suffering from that well I think it's really important to note too that it's not just about Parker it's much deeper because honestly when I was watching this I was like okay I know it was hurtful but like you barely knew the guy why are you like still hung up over this but then once I realized it's about her dad abandoning her. It's about oh, yeah. feeling like they talk about a lot in this Angel. episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, she's feeling mm-hmm. Buffy's feeling worthless. She's like, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. Am I Absolutely. the reason why people are? And so I'm just like, okay, that makes so much more sense. And I'm glad they went there because I feel like it would have cheapened it if it was just Parker. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I'm really glad that they brought up a lot of stuff too because it's like you could see it from the outside and think that it's all about Parker, but. I like that in this episode when they're talking kind of like nightmares. It's like we kind of could tell that Buffy wasn't really close with their dad, but then they really brought up and showed it. So I really love that it's like this is right after the harsh light of day. So they can kind Mm -hmm. of address what Buffy's feeling on like a deeper level. It came at a perfect Mm -hmm. time. Um, and then Oz is, or no, Xander's like, does anyone else want to smack that guy? And all three of Everybody them Everybody raise raises hand. their hand. I was like, go Xander, man. Go support your friends. Like the Scoopies are just being really great. I, yeah. I love it. Solid so far. 
Um, so Buffy's walking in the streets. A guy with a mask jumps out in front of her. She hits him. And I'm like, fair. Like, why would you just like jump in front of somebody like that? Like, that's so rude. What He's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? Who no, jumps up to random people with a mask and doesn't expect them to retaliate in self-defense? Like, come on, dude. Kind of a but jerk in move. But like in like a creepy, no one's around dark alleyway. Yeah. It's like, just because it's Halloween doesn't mean that you're not bothering people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And not everybody is feeling as festive as you are. I'm like, come on, dude. Um, so we cut to the cafeteria. Willow and Buffy are walking in line. Willow's kind of mentioning that she feels like she's plateaued Wicca-wise, um, and that she really kind of wants to strengthen, get back into it. And then Oz comes up, and he – I don't even think I remember this interaction even happened. Me either. Yeah, I, was I was like, what like, is happening? Yeah. Well, and he says this so respectfully, but he kind of like stands his ground a little bit. He's like, hey, like, like I just worry a little bit. And then like I really love how he brings up like – his own situation and correlation, but doesn't make it about himself. He's like, hey, like when I'm in my werewolf stage, like I touch something that's pretty dark and like it kind of scares me a little bit. So I just, I get worried for you, but whatever you choose, like I'll support you. I'll be here for you. I'm like, wow, like what? That's amazing. Like he brings awareness to her, but then also puts like the autonomy in her hands. And that's such an important thing to do for people. I also think Willow got a little extra defensive. Like when she calls him Brutus, I was like, okay, that seems kind of extreme for what Oz is actually even saying. And then I really liked that Oz didn't like capitulate. He kind of stands there and looks at her and then she like explains herself and he's like, no, I understand that reference, but I'm not going to lie about the fact that I worry. I know what it's like to have power you can't control. Like he's speaking from a place of someone who has experience here. And I Mm -hmm. felt like this interaction was good because I'm like, finally, we're waiting for them to delve deeper into their relationship. I'm like, finally, you guys disagree. Like, I love y'all. I'm like, I love you. Like, Oz, I love you. But like, disagree. Like, that is a relationship. Yes, you're going to have different opinions. You're going to like bicker sometimes. Like, obviously, some people do it more than others. But it's like, it's human. You cannot agree with someone on everything. And so I like that we're like, finally saying a little bit of discourse. I gotta say, I love Willow and Oz. But going through this show like having to dig deep and really focus on the minute details they really 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 underuse them as a couple like we've yeah. seen very little like communication in, in like a real sense like we see them talk about things and like they'll hang out and such but it's like we've seen way more communication and like in in the four episodes we've seen Anya and Xander together they've disagreed on a lot of things and they've worked through a lot things a lot more so than I feel like they've given Oz and Willow and I love them but sometimes I'm like you guys are too perfect that like how deep are your feelings for each other because we haven't really seen much to fight for in the relationship you know what I mean well it's not relatable to have a relationship that has zero conflict and I know we had the whole Xander and Willow affair but that the thing with but Oz that and was Willow like one was episode kind of where they're broken up yeah yeah Right, exactly. And like Oz handled that like a literal champ, but is that realistic? Like <laughs> I would have responded way differently. <laughs> right. Well, we never saw Oz really struggle with it afterwards. And I yeah. feel like we should have. Like Xander still being part of the – or like I guess Xander should have been part of the friend group he was initially. But like Oz watching Willow hang out with Xander afterwards. I just kind of wish there was a, yeah. a few things. Maybe he said, hey, like could you guys not hang out like alone or something, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, it's in the past. It is what it is. But I'm just saying like they've been together for almost two seasons now. 
he was introduced actually on the Halloween episode to her. Yeah, so like exactly two seasons. Um, well, Ink and Mummy Girl, but like they met. Uh, they didn't even really meet on Halloween. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. But I mean, you get what I'm saying. Like they've been together for he's been in the show for almost two seasons. And like this is the first time I we're really getting a glimpse of them like kind of disagreeing and like talk about things. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Oh, then Buffy sees Parker laughing with all of his friends. And then she decides to leave again, and then Will runs after her. And again, this is symbolic of Buffy choosing instead to confront her fears. She's choosing to run away from them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what everyone, whether for better or for worse, keeps telling her throughout this episode. We'll definitely talk about it. But basically, like, you need to address some things in your life. Yep. Otherwise, you're just going to stay in misery, and then the misery is going to get, like, bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper inside you. And then it feels like you can't really open up because it's, like – a huge part of you, you know? So it's like, Buffy, like, please don't let it get to that place. I'm like, However, on an opposite end, I do kind of think that they all are butting in her business so much. Like, yes, Buffy does need to face stuff, but I also feel like that's something where it's like, maybe she needs to figure that out on her own. Like, telling her once or whatever I get, but it's also like, dude, like, she went through kind of a dramatic thing. Like, let her mourn on her own. I don't, I mean, I feel like Willow is not constantly chasing Buffy down to be like, hey, what are you doing and stuff. She's just like, hey, Buffy, feel better. She's trying to be encouraging and supportive. So I don't feel like everyone is kind of butting into her business. I think that Buffy kind of needs people to pull her out of her funk, though, you know, other than Maggie Walsh, which we will talk about in a second. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, so Buffy says that she wants to go patrol in- instead tonight. The poor girl's just trying to f- find some other reason to not go hang out at, at like, a frat house tonight. Yeah. I mean, like, since when? Halloween is the night the spooks don't come out, Buffy. You're really reaching and I love here how with excuses. As a viewer, we all know that, too, which is so funny. Yes. We're all sitting here being like, girly, it's Halloween. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Yeah, this we know this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we go to Giles' house. And she opens up the door. And what do you guys think about this outfit? Um, it's problematic. <laughs> Thank you. I was thinking yes. that too. And it's like, it's cute. And like, he looks adorable in it. But it's like, we shouldn't be wearing cultural stuff in like cheapy costumes for Halloween. Unfortunately, up until recently, and I'm not saying it's okay because it wasn't. I'm just saying, unfortunately, it was so common to right. like dress up in other cultures and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think there's there's a fine line between paying homage to someone and to a specific person um, and also just typecasting what that entire culture right. is like. Like he's – who is he supposed to be? Just a generic Mexican man? Like I don't think that that's necessarily great, you know? Yeah. So. And I'm glad that like it's a d- discussion that we now can openly talk about and discuss like what is appropriate and what's not. Cause like growing up, like we definitely, you know, oh, my we're, gosh, we had yes. some stuff, you know, <laughs> and we yeah. wore some things for like Halloween and such. And like looking back, I'm very like upset about it. I but it's like, when I, I think about I it, I can't like change that. But me as an adult, me now, like if I ever have kids, like we can have those discussions, we can talk about these things and, and change how we, do stuff so he does look really cute like he's like really precious this episode so giles man he's trying so hard to find his niche what he needs to be doing in his life he's not a watcher or a librarian so he's not sure what he's supposed to be doing and so i think this is just giles floundering but it is really precious him being like it's a lie with that part is really funny (laughs) oh my word I'm just glad we're seeing more of giles non-depressed like i feel like these past few episodes giles has been so like 
Uh, well, uh, sometimes I forget you guys can't see my face. But like, uh, <laughs> the listeners are like, like Giles is just. I'm like, he's just like this, just dead silence. Um, he's just been very down, and so I feel mm-hmm. like I'm happy seeing him a little bit more lively. And I don't know, like, I know I said I think he might be kind of depressed. It's it's really unclear at this point. He could be depressed. He also could just be enjoying his downtime. Like he says right here, he's like, I hadn't taken the time to embrace its inherent charms of, you know, <laughs> Halloween and stuff. So, I mean, that could very well be true. But I feel like he's – there's something going on with Giles and I'm not sure what it is yet because every episode he's doing something different. Yeah, his energy is all over the place. <laughs> yes, or he is depressed. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. But either way, I'm loving this moment. Yeah. Um, so Buffy's definitely fishing for a reason to patrol. And then Jaws is basically like, there's no supernatural activity on Halloween. Enjoy yourself. Go to Did the party tonight. Did we forget this here, Buffy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we get like a cut back – or not cut back, but we go to the frat boy mansion. And we see the frat boy setting up a ton of stuff around to make it a maze. Um, and then one of the dudes shows another dude a – is it like a – what is that called? Like a pentagon or – it's technically called the symbol of Gaknar in the um, in the script, but that's not an official thing. So, but like, what's whatever. it called when like, like you know, when you watch like a movie and they have like the same symbol that's supposed to represent like, like I don't know, like demonic stuff, isn't it called? Oh, it's like, definitely a, a pentagon. Yeah, it's Pen- pentagram, oh, pentagram, not a pentagon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a ac- third grade academics in my head. <laughs> pentagram. <laughs> pentagon is, is six pentagon. points <laughs> or five points. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he shows up a pentagram and he's like, dude, we should draw this in the floor. Look what I found this in a book. And you're like, it makes all the ladies you should corny. read it. We live in Sunnydale. Like, read the ins- inscription. See if it's bad first. Like, I cannot. Okay, no, no. I don't blame Josh and Edward. These are the two guys here. Josh <laughs> you know their names? <laughs> they have them in the script. <laughs> How is it that, like, random background characters have names? That's always killed me. I'm like, if you don't say their name, why do they need a name? I mean, I don't think these guys are background characters because they have a big speaking role in this episode. Like, one of them, like, is the one that taunts Buffy later on. But they – I don't blame them. Who I blame is this next scene with Oz and Xander. Oz, a literal supernatural being, and Xander, like, the guy who's been in charge of helping guard the Hellmouth with the Slayer – don't actually check to see, oh, what mystical symbol are you right. painting on the floor? And Oz doesn't – like he cuts himself and then shakes the blood off of his mystical self onto the mystical floor. Like, come on, guys. You're slipping a little here. I feel like cutting yourself and then shaking is natural, but it's like, dude, um, there's this huge-ass like demonic – thing on the floor and you're part of the scooby gang you're not gonna notice that like come on us i feel like i'd be hyper aware of that stuff i'd be like "Ah, you're also on a hell mouth like come on yeah anyway so we go to the basement in xander's house and anya pops up she says that his uncle let her in who lives in this house i heard like a ton of people upstairs this is like the third or fourth time we've heard about uncle rory in the series and we know that he's a severe alcoholic and then his car was the one that xander crashes in the zeppo oh that's right and so i think that kind of informs you a little bit about the life that xander is like or the people that xander is living with the fact that he probably has a severely alcoholic uncle that lives in his house along with his parents it could be it could be a alcoholic dad and uncle could be a genetic thing Mm -hmm. 
Right. It could just be a really toxic environment that he is having to live with. And the fact that like his parents make him pay rent to live in the basement. But then his mom's also like, change over the clothes in the dryer and the washer. I'm like, um, isn't he paying rent? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? And I kind of back to the conversation with Anya. There are a lot of conversations between different characters leading up to the haunted mansion. Yes. And this one is such a pivotal one for Mm. Xander's character because Anya kind of mentions like, oh, like you haven't called. And he's like, well, like I tend to believe people when they tell me things. And so she's kind of having to like pull him out and have him communicate, which is something we haven't seen with Xander. Xander's usually the one who's like really trying, maybe not in the best way, but really trying for the attention of whoever he's like trying to date um she asks him out for their quote-unquote anniversary he tells her (laughs) he tells her about halloween um and then she kind of mentioned she's like well i don't understand why you hang out with them you have nothing in common Mm -hmm. with them oof i will say the writers it is genius to have anya pushing the this plot forward in a lot of episodes because she is kind of like she's unaware yeah so they can use that to their advantage because when they tried doing that with Cordelia, I feel like it really did a disservice to her character because it came off as dumb. But with mm. Anya, it's like we know she's intelligent. She's just not aware of modern day stuff. She's, like, she's naive very, when it comes to things. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, I think it flows a lot better. Not saying that Anya is a better character or anything. I just think that she's also an outsider. Yes. 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 So I think that it yes. it works a lot better with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She says, I understand that inane ritual. It's those people you continue to associate with them, though you share little in common. And the script says that Xander becomes agitated. What are you talking about? I mean, and then she, like, obviously is like pointing out all the differences. Like, they go to college, you live at home. But I think that this is, again, like you mentioned, Tabby, it's a little insight into how mm-hmm. Xander's thinking and feeling. And just kudos to, like, um, Nicholas Brendan because his acting, like, it, even when you're describing the script, he's supposed to be agitated. But I didn't get that from him. And I I appreciate the direction he went as an actor in the scene way more so because you could tell he's a little bit more hurt and stunned. Like, he's like, oh, shoot, someone's saying it out loud. And you could definitely tell it's something he's been thinking, but he was hoping no one would really see it. He didn't want it to be real. You know, that's, like, yeah. the feeling that I got from him. Um, she asked if that's a date. And he says there's definitely date-like qualities and tells her to dress uh, up scary. Seems like Xander is warming up to Anya. I just love because this is like – I think this is the year of Legally Blonde or a year beforehand. But we get like Sexy Bunny and Legally Blonde to a frat mm-hmm. party. And then we get like <laughs> cute slash scary bunny. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second because it's so funny because I feel like Fear Itself is such an underrated episode in the fandom. Like I don't hear a lot of people talking about this episode except everyone remembers Anya in this bunny yeah, costume. Yeah, they do. And she's just precious this episode. Like I really love Anya this episode. Yeah. So in class, Buffy goes to ask – I'm like, girl, this is a – the goal you have to go up to ask your professor. Go to the perfect. TA. Mm-hmm. The TA will have the homework. Like, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, props to her for doing it. But I'm like, right before class, be like, I can't make it. Can I have the work? No, this is after class because Professor Walsh leaves. Like, if oh, Buffy I thought skipped it was her before. class. No, she skipped her class, then comes to pick up the homework. The idea is that Buffy uh. doesn't feel like going to class, doesn't feel like eating because of all the stuff with Parker. Maggie Walsh just like tramples into her uh, dorm room and is like, why weren't you in class today? Jeez, yeah, seriously. 
Well, she's like, if you miss another class, you're out. I'm like, geez, woman. Whereas people nowadays, it's like, like they would make, oh my gosh, in college, they would make threats all the time. Be like, if you're, if you miss more than three, you're getting booted out. I would always miss more than three. Never got kicked out. I have never understood the whole like, oh my gosh, if in college, obviously high school is different, but like in college, it's like, if you're not showing up to my class, I'm going to kick you out and stuff. It's like, why? First of all, you get paid no matter what. Yeah, Second yeah. of all. It doesn't matter. The students are not, paying yeah, an arm leg for this. If I'm not showing up and yeah. doing stuff, that's less for you to grade. Like, you're welcome. But it's also just, like, the only person it's hurting is yourself if you're not showing up to class and doing all the work. So it's, like, I've never understood why teachers are so psycho about, like, you need to be in class. or else. It's, like, ugh. Like, why does it matter? Yeah. The worst is when they're, like, you'll drop a whole grade point if you miss Oh, every gosh. for every class yeah. that you miss and you're like oh my gosh that's so stressful. i never had like, that one what the heck that was dr plue go oh, figure geez. i bet okay so maggie wash is all like i count four limbs a head no visible mm-hmm. scarring so i assume your personal issue was not a life-threatening accident of any kind and therefore uninterested you got problems solve them on your own time and i'm like all right so i know this show is trying to get buffy to get back on her feet But Professor Walsh did not handle this well. There are more damaging things in life sometimes than just physical. Totally. Like there can be some severe mental things going on. There could be What if a family family member died? (laughs) Which is also so funny because isn't she the psychology teacher? (laughs) Yes, she is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like this is literally what you teach, bro. It's literally called PTSD. Like for real, this girl's going through it. Like I promise you it's a chapter in your like lectures. And Riley's over there like, she really will make it worth your time. Yeah. Riley's like, uh, like, bro, are you for real? Like, trying to teach the class. Like, are you, your teacher's aide knows more about okay. the class than you do. I just like already like have like a bad taste in my mouth with this Riley dude as if I don't know who he is. Wait, really? Like, no, no, no. He says, your work has taken a downturn recently. If any man ever says to me, I'd be like, get away. Boy. No, no, no. Okay. How okay, does he know my a, grades? How does he know my work? He's the TA. He's supposed to the, be the TAs know the the grades. I'm just saying, like him being like, like, oh, your grades has been taking a downturn. I'm like, ew, like, don't talk about it. That's it so is. Weird. I will say, like, it is a bit of a violation to yeah. kind of bring that to their attention because that's really more for the teacher. Um, but I don't think that's like a huge like. Ugh. I think if someone said that to me, I'd be like, okay. But like, yeah, you would. <laughs> I, no, I. That's exact. I literally like. And what about it? Like, what do you want me to do about that? But like, I don't think that it's like a major. Flaw He's like trying to flirt. Or... Leah's like, ew. No, like, if someone came out to me who was trying to flirt with me, I'd be like, your grades took a downturn. I'd be like, and what about it? What? He's <laughs> not flirting with who flirts with someone's like you. So, um, your grades. Like, no. <laughs> I mean, but maybe a teacher's assistant, assistant would. Okay, Riley I had would. a different I had a different take on this scene. I actually thought it was really like a really good blend. I feel like Riley did a better job of what Maggie Walsh was maybe not attempting to do. I don't know. So he's like, "Hey, like your work has not been great, and I can't remember the last time you I saw your hand up basically like, you know, showing that he's noticed." And then he says, "Things get pretty intense freshman year as I dimly recall, too much fun or not enough." So well, the Riley second actually, half he does better, but the first half I was like, "Don't talk about it." I brain. mean, honestly, I'm really just roasting him. I think this was a nice conversation. Like <laughs> See, okay. he goes, up, he goes about it like a little weirdly at first. Like I think he's kind of he corrects awkward. himself though. Yeah, I think he's a little socially awkward, but I do think his heart's in the right place. 
I'm, I'm, I'm like, I think he's actually an idiot, but at least he tried. <laughs> Gosh, let me finish. I don't think that he's I don't think he's socially awkward either. I think that he is doing the whole grace and truth thing. He's telling her, like, hey, and like he does say, I may be out of line here. It's not my business, but you seem like the kind of person who makes things hard on themselves. So he's telling her, listen, like, there's times to be responsible and there's times to let loose and have fun. Like he tells her, go have fun. Oh, like we have a Riley relax. stand in the podcast i i think that he's not bad honestly like riley up until this point really not that he won't do anything in the future i mean not that he will do anything in the future because we don't know yet what i am saying is up until now he really is like a normal guy i just think it's funny to make fun of him because he is a little awkward in this scene um, he definitely is, Sarah. Nice. I'm definitely. I'm gonna be real. We're sorry we're roasting your man, it, Sarah, but like the way that just... he. No, it's the way he approaches it. Of just like his his start to the conversation is just not very strong. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. That's all I'm roasting. Yeah, but besides that, it's nice. I mean, it's. I way prefer like someone like him approaching me more than freaking Maggie Walsh coming up to you being like, "Little Maggie, ah, oh, Maggie, coming up, soldier, push you today." <laughs> Shut up, Maggie. Oh, Just give me an F. <laughs> Bugger <up>, off. <laughs> Where's that well, I love off? that he does say that like she tends to be hard on herself. Like I, I give him props on that end because um, she does need to hear that she is very hard on herself. And then he tells her, like, oh, you should go, like, enjoy tonight. Because she's like, oh, I'm just going to stay home and do stuff. And he's like, you need to let loose. Like, just go enjoy your Halloween. Like, I love that he tells her that. Well, and then she kind of calls his hypocrisy here. She's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, stay here and grade papers. And she's like, wait a minute. But then I like how I think they kind of got off on the wrong foot. He thought she was super socially awkward in the first episode, The Freshman. And then here she thanks him for the pep talk. And he's like – thinking she's making fun of him. And then she says, no, I mean it. And they kind of have that moment where I think he's seeing her like the actual Buffy for the first time, not just the what he thought was the ditzy blonde, you know? Yeah, he's like, whoa, you're actually sexy. You're great <laughs> suck, though. <laughs> he's like, you're not socially awkward. You're just freaking stupid in school. <laughs> he's like, I could tutor you if you really want. He's like, finally, a girl who's dumb and hot. Just what I wanted. <laughs> He's like downgrades you from a ten to a solid seven because of your grades. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Anyway, back to the death mansion. Um, we have the whole scene that we talked about where Oz is and Xander are up oh, there yeah. the painting Sorry. the <laughs> pentagram. Oz gives them his sound system, then tries to trim the wire, then cuts himself, shakes his hand. The blood falls on the pentagram. And I love how no one notices that a freaking tarantula is now formed on the yeah, ground. Yeah, like, what the heck? An inch Not away from the dude's spider. leg. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. <laughs> what in the world? Yep. And then, okay, and like Chaz, the the dude that's like painting the stuff, I think, he's like, no clue, Chaz. got it from that book. I know. He's like, got it from that book. Lots of cool stuff in there. And Xander's just like, ooh, grapes. Like, it's a common theme to have Xander distracted by food when he really should be focusing on, um, mm, where is that book? What spells are in there? What are you drawing there, Chaz? What an important observation. Thank you, Sarah. I know. So important. All right. Got that off my <laughs> just chest. Just kidding. Sorry. I don't know why I'm so sarcastic. <laughs> you guys are so snarky. Jeez. Episodes like this just kind of bring it out in me. <laughs> I know. Because this episode's kind of camp. It is. Oh, it totally love is. It, yes. No, I love camp. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, I'm what I'm like, hearing you say is cookie. you hate the show. 
because yeah, it's campy. Hate it. Oh, this is actually my last episode. <laughs> In the background, you just hear people in the podcast like, "Yes, oh no, my god!" No, that would be the sound of people unsubscribing if they knew that you were leaving the podcast. No, it's all the people who leave hey comments saying that I need to take a communications class. If you leave me alone, I'll be stuck with a Riley um stand. So I, I don't want to be left alone. Riley has been has in like been three episodes, two episodes, and he so far he's been stellar and so nice. He grades he's people. He's not been stellar. <laughs> Let's not give awards for nothing. We've had two interactions. He's, he's been decent. he's been fine. Like he's fine. Like he's a normal character, but stellar. Like really stellar. The bar <laughs> is the low. Stretch. Who are we? Comp- who are we comparing? Angel. Um, Angel's not on the show anymore. No, I. Hello. Well, so are you okay, sir? <laughs> Believe twice. Hey. This is Sarah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. move on to the next. Sarah, I know Sarah mourned so quick. She said Angel's not on the show anymore. guys i have to move on just like buffy should all right speaking of moving on next scene okay and then this next scene in uh buffy's house with joyce this is the conversation we needed for buffy's character um but also buffy and joyce like we've been starving for some really good buffy and joyce episode or scenes in the past few episodes we've only seen her in like the freshman right and then i don't think we've seen her since then so Christine Sutherland actually moved to Europe at the beginning of the season, and because oh. of it, she's not in as much of the season. There's like, actually, this week during this Gosh. time, Christine Sutherland actually had a sore throat. <laughs> she, she, she couldn't she come to shooting that one day, but she did, however, somehow make it, even though she had a flat tire on the way. She was somehow able to make, make it to work only 30 32 minutes late. <laughs> do you do you see, listeners, what I have to live with? You guys don't understand. This is this is what I had to live with for 18 years. Like so stupid. This is this is so ridiculous. <laughs> I am trying to bring you quality content and they are literally crapping all over everything I have to say. <laughs> I'm dead. Bullied by you. She like knows the personal details of every writer, (laughs) producer, everything. She's like, one time, Christy, it's like in Mean Girls. So they're like, I saw (laughs) Regina George wearing This is the second time you've compared (laughs) me to Regina George. (laughs) No, I'm not comparing you to Regina George. I'm comparing you to everyone who's obsessed with Regina George because they know all her information. (laughs) One time she hit me. And uh, what did she say? And I liked it, or I don't know. And I what liked she, it. They, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, moving on. You guys are in a weird mood. Stop roasting me. Let me like who I like. Let me say what I want to say. I don't butt in with you and your opinions. It's like the end of Mean Girls. Everything's on the tape. As if Sarah's not our editor. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sarah takes it all out, so there's no evidence. <laughs> She's like, what tape? anyway okay so we mentioned like helpless earlier kind of like in a parallel of this Mm -hmm. episode and she's wearing the little red riding hood hood yes yeah i i love the parallels to that i know david fury probably did that intentionally it's a huge nod i mean if you guys have not listened to our helpless episode please go and listen to that we have our brother david with us it's one of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded I feel like we did such a good job with that. I'm like patting myself on the back. Um, no, I feel like it's really interesting. Like we talked a lot about how like um, the whole idea of Red Riding Hood is about like an innocent girl being preyed on by predators. And in this case, like Parker is kind of that symbol of that. Um, and like 
how Red Riding Hood is a metaphor for the transition to womanhood, the idea of the failures of a father figure to protect and all that stuff. So being vulnerable in general. Yes. So if you want to know like a little bit more in depth, listen to our helpless episode, but I love the tie-ins and the parallels for this Mm -hmm. episode. And I love that she packs weapons into her bag later on. Because it's just like, it's just a cool little taking back of the power from that episode. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's this little symbol of Little and Ready Hood. And this is what it usually symbolizes. But then we're going to also make it Buffy and have her weapons in the basket. Um, but also in this conversation with Joyce, she brings up a conversation that they talked about and discuss in Nightmares too. So like there's two parallels from different episodes. So you can kind of tell where mm-hmm. this episode is leading. And I feel like it's yeah. a it's a good blend between the two. It's like being hunted in one way and like a creepy house you can't get out of, like helpless. Um, but then also being like the lamb in a situation. And then there's the the fears and nightmares of the episode nightmares. It's also very unusual to see Buffy open up in such a vulnerable way with anyone. I feel like with the only person we've really seen her do this with is with Angel, but he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And so seeing her have such a tender, vulnerable moment with Joyce and Joyce telling her that, you know, your father loved you. Our divorce was not your fault. All these things are just so pivotal for Buffy to hear. And as a viewer, like we need to hear Joyce saying these things. And that's a good point, you know? Sarah. Like, like we haven't really seen her open up like this or this easily since Angel. No one else really brought it out as easily and as raw as Angel did. And like, it's just like, Run the tape, sir. I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's just like a fact. Like you look back on it, like one that comes to mind that was such a big one was like Ted. The whole episode, she's like very like tense and stressed. And the second she's with Angel, she folds immediately and expresses that the reason why that she's having a hard time with Ted is because of her dad. Like she doesn't mention that to anyone else. She doesn't mention that to mm-hmm. Joyce the entirety of the episode. But it's like mm-hmm. there are those moments that we're missing because you usually get that when she talks to Angel. But I love how yeah. like natural this conversation is with Joyce. Joyce kind of starts up by reminiscing about the old and Halloween days. And so it's like a natural progression. She talks about like going with her dad and then Buffy mentions like, oh, like he really just wanted to go trick-or-treating to get the candy. And then the mom kind of makes a joke and then she mentions like your father didn't leave because of you. We didn't we didn't get divorced because of you. And then Buffy kind of mentions like, I'm starting to think there's a pattern here. You open your heart to someone and he bails on you. Maybe it's easier not to let anyone in. And then Joyce kind of goes in and she's like, you know, like I used to think that way too. Like the first year that we moved here, I had no friends. And she mentions that it was just fear paralyzing her. And then she mentions Ted, which is funny. Which I think is funny because when we finished Ted, Joyce didn't know that he was a robot. So there was a conversation somewhere along the line, probably once Joyce found out about everything that Buffy was like, hey, just so you know, um, he was a robot. But again, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the episode between – uh, in, in the episode, Ted, the conversation between Buffy and Angel where, you know, she's like, I wish that I had my dad. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then Angel tells Buffy, he's like, have you ever considered that your mom needs someone, that she's lonely? And then this conversation here where Joyce talks about how she didn't think she could trust anyone again and it was really hard for her. I'm like, wow, like what a cool insight. Like Angel mm-hmm. actually saw something in Joyce that Buffy wasn't seeing. Um, but then on top of that too, like Joyce is willing to – open up and tell her own personal experience and what she struggled with. And it's like, wow, like we're getting a really cool insight into Joyce 
as well as Buffy in this moment. And it just, it was a great character moment. Yep. And it sets up Buffy's mindset for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So, and then Dorm Willow has her Joan of Arc outfit on. At first I was like, girl, are you like a Roman soldier? I'm confused. We um, definitely 100% had that breastplate growing up. <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Who Did we even have chain mail though? Or did David just no. wear it? It was just the breastplate and then it came with a sword and a helmet. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. Um, Willow's on the phone and we're guessing talking to Oz and she's like, we need to make sure Buffy has fun tonight, which is so sweet. And then she walks out in the hall and she's like, like these random friends here and there. And then we see like a random couple just like fighting. Yeah. So a guy funny. dressed up as a lobster and the present girl, I know you are flirting with her. <laughs> He's like, we're not doing this that again. It definitely feels I like a college you. party. <laughs> oh my gosh. All those couples where you're like, you have to walk past them and you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to intrude in your yep. personal And it, it's always moment. like the, the drunk arguments. It's like they're totally fine. As soon as they get drunk, it's like, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> You're like, I am no part of this. Thank you. We cut over to the mansion. The party's already started and a chick pulls out actual eyeballs from a bowl. Ew. Um, then outside the gang are like meeting up together. Buffy is just standing there by herself. Xander walks up and he's supposed to be James Bond mentions that just in case this happens like the other Halloween episode that he'll at least be some cool agent dude. That can take out people. And she's like, well, either that or a waiter. Which, do you guys remember our hypothesis? I think it was in Helpless we talked about how when Buffy wears braids, they're trying to make her yep. appear more uh, vulnerable and, and innocent. Um, innocent. Yes. And I really love Xander's costume because I feel like Xander was like, okay, what other person can I maximize my knowledge of just like with Halloween? And I was like, if they had them turn into their costumes again, you know they would have – absolutely milked the crap out of that outfit for the rest of the series just like they are with the soldier one i feel like everyone's costumes are like a good one to transform into other than buffy's little red riding hood but like like joan of arc would be a sick one even like <laughs> could you imagine oz is like god oz is god <laughs> but okay but the fact that xander is like his insecurities in the gang and his desire to find his place in the world like in his episode we talked about how he had accepted his role but like his new fear is that he's no longer a part of their lives. And Passion the Nerd talks about how Xander picked a character in James Bond that is human, that doesn't have any superpowers, just has gadgets. And there's a review I read. It was Shangle's review. He talks about how in the Zeppo, Xander felt inadequate for his role in the gang as Buffy the Vampire Slayer's sidekick. But here in this episode, he feels inadequate for being Buffy the human's friend. And I thought that was a really interesting distinction. Mm. I think that's interesting, especially since the biggest pull to Xander has always been his touch with humanity, just like how much he represents humanity and like mm -hmm. the very ugly side of humans. And so I think that it makes sense that the season he's feeling so out of place because he's like the one thing that I feel like I really add, I haven't been doing. Yeah, he doesn't even know how to be their friend anymore. It's not like he can relate on a superhuman level. It's just even on a – we don't have anything in common anymore, let alone you guys are on a whole other level when it comes to magic abilities. So they're sitting there walking over and then these dudes in military uniform again oh, these just guys, kind of like walk right again, in front of them. 
what is this? Don't understand. And like one of them just like stares straight at Buffy and Buffy's like, nice costumes. <laughs> like it's just so random. Yeah. It is random because we haven't seen him since the freshman. Here we are three mm-hmm. episodes later. It's like, okay, what's like, this? Okay, Where's hey. it going? And they have like they're, they're all like fully loaded and in like military stance as if there's a predator in the middle of like so many trick-or-treaters. Like it makes no sense to me. Yeah, their guns fully drawn. I'm like, this is a yeah. little bit of like um gun safety 101 here. Don't point him at the poor passerbyers. I know. They're just like all pedestrians and they're just like fully armed and ready to like shoot anyone at any moment. Like with this is night so vision. Creepy. Dude, there's lights yeah. everywhere. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we cut to like inside the mansion. Absolute chaos. People are dying. There's like a plant eating someone's head. <laughs> Some people are running around. <laughs> it's like a complete 180 from before. <laughs> There's a it's dude like, really scary. like chasing away. The, the camera falls him and then he just trips down the stairs and gets his neck like completely just like snapped. I think that was either Josh or – oh, yeah, it's Josh, not Chaz. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> R.I.P. Josh. <laughs> Those are such good frat names. Like whoever named these random characters – a plus, Joss. Is it Chad or Chaz? Chaz, Chaz is just like, even better. <laughs> it's Chaz, man. Yet, like Jazz. So the gang hears nothing outside. It's completely quiet. They're just kind of walking around. They see a skeleton that jumps out and almost stabs Xander. That looked pretty realistic. I was like, geez. Yeah, I love the welcome mat. Is Helcom. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even read that. That's funny. I really want that. I know someone has got to have made one. If not, I'm going to find one for my house for Halloween. Then a tarantula gets on Willow's shoulder. Oz gets it off of her. And then Buffy finds real blood on the floor. I love how everyone in every television or movie that's blood on the floor, they have to touch it and sniff it. Like, guys, you can look at it and be like, hey, that's blood. Yeah, that came out of someone. Like, not sanitary. What if they have, you know, some – what is that transmissible by blood? Also, um, wouldn't Oz smell that already? He's literally a werewolf. He can smell Willow being all, like, scared and nervous from miles away. And he can't smell, like, blood that's literally on the floor. Only if it's Willow's – only if it's Willow's blood. What a useless werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Oz. And you could tell that like Oz can tell the maze is different. He's like, oh, wait, this was supposed to be over here. And like you could tell that they're already like we're going to be confused and they're going to get lost in this maze. Well, Oz has been there before. He went and helped set up. So like he remembers that, you know, something is funky. Oh, okay. And then they're like, what's that squeaking? Then they look up. And the ceiling is full of bats. You could totally tell this is a completely different shot. Like this is not even yeah. in like the mansion. There were a couple of different um, scenes where I was like, I can tell the actors are just waving their hands around and yeah. they just superimposed bats or whatever. Because it's mm-hmm. like there's no – it doesn't make sense. Like if there's a bat coming down your left side, your hand would go up that way. It looks you know, like a anyway. stock like uh, image or like whatever because it looks yeah. up and it's like looks like it's literally like in a cave. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. And they hear like this weird like monster beast kind of like speaking or growling and they're like, what Release the heck? me. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. <laughs> Sarah, credited as voice actor, number one. <clears throat> yes. Book me. I'm available at any time to do the voice of Gachnar. And then outside we see Anya show up as a bunny. So cute. Ah, I love it. I love that she can't walk around in her boots. So I actually looked up, there's a quote from Emma Caulfield talking about this bunny suit and just playing Anya in general. So she says, 
Anya, I got to say, just comes very easy for me. There's just not a lot of guesswork with her. The most difficult part is not knowing what they want to do with her and not having that to work with. I wouldn't say I identified with her really. We're pretty different people, but when they humanized her was when I really started to have fun with the character. And there's been nice synchronicity between my take on her and what the writers and Joss want to do with her. Just sort of a nice melding of the minds. It's just such a fun character to play. So much of it is in the dialogue and how can it not come easy to you when someone is writing such great words? Every day on the set, there is something funny. It's just that sort of atmosphere. Everybody gets along and it's a very fun place to work. In terms of things that my character's done, scenes that I've really enjoyed doing, a couple stand out. Probably the first time that Anya seduced Xander in the basement. That was just so well written and it was well done and it was fun. It was a change of pace for the character to just shift gears. I guess in terms of how bold Anya is and how blunt, that's pretty typical. But just to what extent she was willing to go, it was a pretty defining moment for her character at that point. When I read that she had to be dressed up in a full bunny suit, I mean, I got an immediate visual of that in my head. And what ended up being filmed was by far funnier than what I ever have had in my head, which was pretty funny. That was another one of my favorite Anya moments. It was just so ridiculous. And then the interviewer asked her if it was hot. And she says, yes, it was unbearable. Thank God it was around October, so it was cold outside. We shot a lot of the stuff at night, so that was good. Getting around in it was probably more difficult than actually being hot in it because the shoes were enormous and I literally had to waddle. And the interviewer was like, it was pretty cute how she stomped around. She said, I didn't have a choice. It was the only way I could move around. It added to the visual. It was pretty funny. So her stomping and waddling around was not her intentionally doing that. It was her only way to move the feet, which I think is so cute. Well, and then- Anya, waddling over to the door, finds out there's no door, walks over to the front and sees a girl banging on the windows. This part, I was like, oh, that's creepy. And then the windows board up and she immediately goes, Xander. So cute. That's so sweet. It's nice to see someone like, okay, that's not fair to Cordelia. I was like, wait, who did he date before? Cordelia did care, but we saw rare moments of her being like vulnerable like this. Yes. Yeah. I feel like this is a whole other level of vulnerability. And I mean, we... It's clear that Anya like really likes him, but it's yeah. cool to see that it's more than I think a physical attraction too. I think that she yeah. like really cares about him as a person. Well, I think Anya doesn't have the societal like pressure of like that Cordelia mm. did, where it's like having to hide stuff or pretend. Like mm. Anya's just like, I like you, I want to be with you, like very upfront. Yeah, Xander's probably not used to that. Yeah, well, even as like a viewer. um, even though I've seen the show before, but it's like seeing what we've seen of Anya so far, we haven't seen this vulnerable, th- this much vulnerability in Anya's character before. So it's fun mm-hmm. to see that. Um, so we get a glimpse back inside the mansion. There's like screaming inside the monitor or whatever. So Oz goes and turns off the sound. <laughs> and Poppy is like, oh, thank the Lord. And Oz is like, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so this part Did you guys pick up this is like right when Xander is like invisible now because Xander's like saying stuff like, oh, like we should go here or whatever or like, oh, what's that sound? And then Buffy immediately is like, oh, did you guys hear that? And he's like, yep, that's just what I said. And he's like, oh, it sounds like squeaking. And she's like, oh, like it sounds like – and she says something that sounds like squeaking and he's like, yep, that's the same thing of what I said. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I think it's ambiguous as to whether or not this is when he – 
actually becomes invisible to them because the way that this works, Gagner can only feed off of the fears that you are experiencing in the moment and that you have. Because they showed that when the guy was like, eyeballs, Rachel. She didn't have a fear that was eyeballs until he verbally mentioned it and it was in her head and she was thinking it. So I think that- Yeah, but no one looks at him. Like, I'll mention it. Like, when we go through this whole scene. It totally could be- well, he says two things about the, the, the noise, and she says the exact same thing right after that. Sure. No, it totally could be, but it could also be, too. The gang is just not actually seeing and hearing him like at all, not because he's not there, because they're just not thinking about it. And so it's leading to him going, man, I feel really invisible, and then he mm-hmm. actually becomes invisible. That's really interesting, Tabs. I hadn't picked that up. Well, and then Buffy, they walk up to the closet, and um, which dude is this, Sarah? Chaz. Chaz. <laughs> Chaz is like shaking back and forth. He's like sobbing, saying he didn't know, he didn't know. And Buffy's like, What did you not know? And he's like saying he's alive or it's alive. Um, and then the skeleton that once popped out in front of Xander walks up behind Buffy, stabs her shoulder. I was like, geez. And then Buffy Roundhouse kicks it, and then it becomes a toy skeleton, not a real skeleton again. Yeah. Well, because – oh, and that's interesting, Tabs, because Xander says he's in shock, and then no one responds to him. Then after he gets – um, or after Buffy gets stabbed, Xander says, let me see. I, and I was goes, about to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she turns over to Oz. It, the script says he moves to her, but Oz gets there first, examines the cut in her mm-hmm. back. Yeah. So that's really interesting. It could be that he's invisible at this point. We just don't even know. Mm-hmm. And then back at Giles' house, you see him eating candy by himself. Oh. He's sad. Nobody's come to trick or treat at his house. <laughs> that makes me so that's sad. That's so sad. He was so excited. I wonder if he was like hoping the gang would show up or whatever. Aww. Don't say that, Sarah. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Unnecessary heartbreak. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and then we hear a knock on the door. We're assuming it's probably going to be Anya. He gets super excited. And then she's like, Xander's in trouble. Xander's stuck in there. And then she explains and he's like, he reassures her. She looks so worried. And he's like, you shouldn't worry about Xander. He is with friends. Well, you know, Joss is like, don't need to worry too much about Xander. And I'm like, Joss is like, I wouldn't worry about Xander. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't think about him. Back in the mansion, the gang is arguing, or mostly Willow and Buffy are arguing, and we can kind of tell that there's been like an argument in between this time, because now it's about Willow wanting to use a guiding spell. Um, You can tell the gang has been having feelings about Willow's magic, but not really saying anything. And so like Willow can kind of tell in this moment that Buffy's been holding back, and so you could tell this conversation is like, I don't want to mention or bring to light that I know that you feel weird about my magic, but I also want to be able to do this magic. So it's like one of those weird arguments where they're saying stuff, but you could tell they're wanting to say more and the tension's really high. There's a lot in between the lines, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, I like that they did that because I feel like the rest of this episode is kind of in your face. See, I saw it. I didn't see it so much as Buffy's like in thinking about her magic. I think Buffy's just kind of like, well, we don't know. It's kind of unpredictable. So I'm going to make the call that I know is the the most sure. And Willow immediately takes that. Because I've seen Willow as very defensive this episode. Um, I feel like it's a sore subject for her. And I think that she feels like no one is supporting her in her magic. But deep down, it's like, is that a fair assessment? Or is that Willow's feeling insecure about her ability to control her magic and then is thus projecting onto everyone else? I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. But I think it's also the fact that, like, Willow feels like her – her niche, her role in the gang is also – 
for magic. Yes. And for 100%. her knowledge and for help and yes. her intellect. And I feel like she can't do any of those things in the scenario mm-hmm. other than magic. And so she feels useless, but also is mad that no one else is like allowing her to do magic. Right. Well, Passion the Nerd brought up a really good point. He talks about how Willow has taken on magic as part of her identity at this point. The fact that she's dressing up as Joan of Arc, who was burned at the stake. And Willow's like, I was almost burned at the stake because of my magic. So it's this idea that like that's the only part of herself that I think she even believes shows everyone that she's remarkable and that she believes that makes her remarkable because she's wanted something that makes her useful and helpful and that has her stand out. And so Mm. I think – Again, it's all stemming into her insecurities about it. Especially when you're like in early adulthood, like you don't know much about yourself. But then when you do know one thing about yourself, you cling to that because everything else is uncertain. So for her, it's like her being a Wicca is like her thing, you know? Well, that's part of why she decided to stay in Sunnydale and go to UC Sunnydale instead of Harvard and Oxford and all that. Well, then Xander tries to intervene. No one's listening to him. Um, And then Willow and Oz kind of storm off. Oh, and then Xander's trying to like cool her off and reassure her. And he's saying some really sweet things. And like Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting, you know how like I feel like it's hard to do to kind of be in the zone and it and ignore the person that's speaking, but then also make I thought it about seem that like too. but also make it seem like you genuinely don't know they're there. Like she did it such a good job where I was like, if I'm just You really believe that Sam, she has no idea yes. what's going on. Even yeah. with her walking around room being like Xander? Like, it, it doesn't seem like in a weird, campy way. It, like, she genuinely yeah. looks like she doesn't see anyone. Like, she's in her own thoughts. You could tell that she's, like, genuinely going through, like, the whole argument in her brain. And she's, like, very solely focused on that. Like, she did a really good job. I think it's interesting that the house slash Gacknar or whatever separates the gang because that yeah. just reveals their own fears. They're afraid of being separated from each other emotionally, so the house separates them physically. Well, but I also feel like it's super on brand for this season. It just kind of shows mm-hmm. that like when they're all separated, they're a lot more fearful. They're a lot more like mm-hmm. not as strong, you know, but when they're together, it's like that's when they kind of start to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it goes along with our season theme of identity and separation, right? They're trying to figure out who they are and that can that can divide them. So Buffy and Xander kind of get separated and then Willow and Oz are talking in another part of the mansion and Willow's kind of going off by saying that like Buffy doesn't trust her with her magic. Oz is kind of like listening but also like observing around him and he's like, hey, these walls don't have windows. Mm-hmm. And then Oz all of a sudden starts changing into a werewolf and he tells her this that she is has probably to get away. the most interesting like mm-hmm. scene or scenes I've seen of Oz. And I feel like Seth Green actually got to do some really cool stuff here. Like the moment with him in the bathtub in a few scenes really is like he doesn't get enough credit for that. Well, and then he starts changing too. And I really feel like maybe I'm reading into this, but sometimes I feel like I kind of agree with Leah a little bit in the earlier part of this episode where she was mentioning that like Like, I feel like the gang is kind of trying to rush Buffy's mourning when it comes to Mm. Parker. And I really feel like it's mostly Willow. I think – and I see myself in Willow a little bit in this scenario. And I really have to tell myself to give people boundaries because I just – my initial default when people aren't like their normal self around me is like, they're mad at me. And so I I try to like be like, hey, like, are you okay? Like, what do I need to do? And sometimes like it has nothing to do with me. And I have to tell myself they need time 
to deal with it on their own. And like, cause it's selfish. Uh, ultimately it is selfish to be there. Like, like they're not giving me what I need and reassurance in the relationship right now, but this has nothing to do with me. Like I need to allow them to process and allow them to do their own thing um, and kind of get out of my own head and give them their space. And I feel like Willow right here is kind of forcing herself onto Oz because she's like, I don't want to be left alone, which is fair in the situation, yeah. but it's like, he's like, I don't want to harm you. I need space. And she's like, I don't know. It, it feels feels like that to me. Like she's trying to be like, like, no, like it's okay. Like we'll figure it out together. And then she, he accidentally scratches her arm. He runs away and she's like, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Well, I mean, just like what Joy said, fear isolates us. And we feel like it would be easier to be alone than to open up to others. And I mean, Oz, I feel like this is a very real moment to be like, totally. I'm going to hurt someone. So I need to isolate. But Passion the Nerd talks about how Willow has been afraid that Oz is going to leave her for a while now. Like he points back to Amends where she's like, hey, like let's have sex. I'll sleep with you because she's trying to make her own insecurities go away about her cheating on him thinking, oh my gosh, he'll leave me or he doesn't want me and stuff. And so I think that him leaving right now and her saying, don't leave me, don't leave me is not only just like a physical or what's actually happening in the moment of please don't leave me, but it's also metaphorical of like, she's afraid that he'll leave. um, And he's afraid that he'll hurt her because he'll go out of control with his wolf side. Uh, So Xander and the other part of the mansion goes over to Mirror to check the he's there. And he's oh, like, okay, this good. Is so You're not a good dad. I know. Poor dude. And then this like weird like Dollar Tree head is like speaking to him. Dollar Tree. <laughs> Very descriptive. Dollar Tree head. <laughs> I was like, I we could have gotten you. a better like mutilated face, I feel like. This one was kind of like, okay. Um, he's like, oh, I could see you. And he's like, all freaked out, runs away. And then this is the Oz bathtub scene Sarah was mentioning. He just keeps repeating, you're not going to change. You're not going to change over and over and over again. Poor, Poor Oz. <laughs> it's so interesting, Oz choosing to be God as a character or as a, a costume because like he's thinking – Hey, like his fear is losing control. If he's God, he has control, you know? I don't know. I more saw it because I think he just thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. But like the writers also like it, it, it fit perfectly with Oz, but it's also kind of like a cool meta thing. I think it's also interesting that both Buffy and Oz seem to be the ones that are the least concerned about being alone. Like it's Willow and Xander who really are afraid of being alone. And I think that's because both Buffy and Oz are used to like just the fact that they're supernatural beings are used to having to be alone. And I think it's more of like them to be like they have a chance by being alone in a an environment where it's high stakes, whereas mm-hmm. Buffy doesn't want to be alone like emotionally with people. Like she doesn't yeah. want to be like lonely, I guess. Whereas like she can yeah. go to like, you know, kill vampires or do anything that's like scary by herself and that's fine because she – she trusts herself ultimately the most and she's like not worried about her friends getting hurt in situations. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think she doesn't want to be alone, but she's kind of like, well, as a slayer, yeah. that just means I'm going to be alone. You know, she's just right. used to it, but it doesn't mean that's what she wants. Right. I really think this next scene is interesting when Willow kind of loses control of that little glow thing. It's not until she starts to kind of like second guess and be like, well, I could go here. I could go here when it starts Mm -hmm. to split. And I think that's such a cool moment to show that like Willow actually has control until she gets insecure and then starts to doubt herself. Mm -hmm. 
Buffy hears Willow but can't get to her. She opens up the door and then falls straight down to the basement. And in the basement, you see that there are some graves. She's on dirt, but then it's also like half a basement, half a graveyard. Because you can see like half of it is like there's some tools and some furniture on the side. And then we see poor Josh walk out. And he walks over and gives like this monologue and says, All alone, they all ran away from you. They always will. Open your heart to someone and – and I love how he doesn't finish it because like we know that Buffy's been dealing with this. And he's like, mm-hmm. open your heart to someone and – And he pauses and says, but don't fret, little girl. You're not alone. And then hands pull up from the ground, start grabbing her, and zombies get pulled out. And he says, anymore. Ultimately, yeah, her fear is that she's just going to be left to be with the zombies and the vampires, that she's not going to actually have a life that's normal with the Mm -hmm. living. Well, and I I feel like so much of that is echoed back from the fact that it's like her dad leaves, then on top of it. Angel ends up having to leave and I don't fault him because like he had to leave but it's like right then it's like she has all these friends that like are so easily killable (laughs) so it's just like in the end it's (laughs) like mortal yes yeah yeah and so it's like I think that's such a valid fear she's like I'm gonna have to face this all alone and most slayers are doomed to do stuff alone I mean even Mm -hmm. Faith like Faith was supposed to be the person who helped her and then Faith is in a coma so it's like yeah She really just does get left alone. Well, I think about nightmares. Her fear was what? Waking up in a coffin and becoming a vampire. And two was um, being abandoned by her dad. And so I think, again, this episode is just interesting watching how, you know, we have each of their fears from nightmares. Now they're more adult-like fears and they're continuing and happening now again here in fear itself. So Giles and Anya make it to the outside of the mansion. They also see that there's no door. And this is the iconic scene where Anya's like, how are you going to get in? He's like, I'm going to create a door. Brings out his freaking chainsaw. Do you see Anya right next to him? She's like bouncing up and down, like like anxiously, like biting her nails, like hopping on one foot, like, come on, Giles, open the door. And then as soon as he pulls out that chainsaw, you see the look of glee on his face, like, ha ha. Giles is like, finally, I can do something. Yes, he's like, this was what I was made for. And then back in the basement, freaking Josh is speaking again. He's like, no matter how hard you fight, you always end up in the same place. Josh says, I don't see why you bother. And then Buffy's kicking them, finds a tiny door, kind of like Alice in Wonderland. This kind of reminds me Yeah, that's what I thought too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She sees like a tiny door, walks through it, and then on the other side, it's like a bigger door closes it and then she finds herself upstairs she's looking around she sees oz sitting on the floor crouching saying what he was saying in the bathtub she sees willow on the other side chasing not chasing but running around kind of freaking out but we don't see any of the little lights that we saw and the other scene and you see other random people kind of squatting together freaking out and we all kind of cue in being like huh interesting they think they're around in the maze, but they're all in the attic together. I wonder why. Or they just all ended up, she says they brought us here. I mean, their fears only manifest to them, not to everybody else. Um, but then the house like eventually brings them all together, ultimately to feed on their fears, probably. Then they all hear Xander just like talking to himself, baby, and like, like, oh, of course they aren't listening to me, and just like getting <laughs> my new best all- friend bleeding dummy head. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Xander. He's like, of course it's me. But I love the physical representation of once they're all together, their fears go away. 
like they feel better now. Like they're more empowered together than when they are separate. Well, and then they all start talking to Xander. He's like, you heard that? You could see me? Oh, good. <laughs> and then he like clues in. He's like, oh, yeah, that symbol they were painting on the floor. For like Xander. I know. And then they have like the book there. Okay, so the book is actually written in Gaelic. And you can kind of see the translation on the page at in one of the scenes. But apparently the literal translation is talking about um, like a new road that they're going to build for buses in Dublin. <laughs> And and they just inserted the word Gaknar in there. (laughs) I know. And I love how like they just like figure out it's like Gaknar immediately. They're like, oh, yeah. Like like as soon as like Giles comes in with like the chainsaw, he's like, oh, yeah, of course, Gaknar. You're like, what? (laughs) How do you know all these things? I love how like Giles just suddenly comes in and we don't see any of Giles's fears. That's true. We don't see that as a viewer. Yeah, him or Anya. Yeah. But it could be that like he's so focused or because he has the chainsaw, he's able to get through faster. But it's kind of funny. And then Anya runs in and, and gives Xander a huge hug. Xander needed that hug. So cute. He's like, someone sees me. And I think that's the cool part about Anya is she sees Xander, you know? Well, even when he's struggling with like no one, I guess, like seeing or hearing him, like Anya's only focus this entire episode is for Xander. Like, not yeah. for anyone else. And then, like, Giles kind of tells him that Gaknar is trying to come into form, um, that he's been feeding on fear. And then he starts reading, being like, okay, so how to destroy Gaknar is, and then he starts mentioning, like, the symbol. And then Buffy's like, got it, runs over, destroys it. Her face is all like, hmm, see? And he's like, is not one of them. And in fact, will immediately bring forth. <laughs> he's so bad. <laughs> But it's he all like glares at her. <laughs> he watched her walk over there. Why doesn't he say, say anything? Stop! Like, come on. Bobby's but like, you know what's funny? They're all so seasoned in their jobs that they're like, uh, we'll figure it out. Like, they're not like super like worried. They're like, eh, she just made him come forth. But you know, what? this moment, Whatever. like, they have fear me. I am the dark lord of nightmare. Like, even the way they shot it made him look so much bigger than what he was. And Will's like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> no, his little guys. I was dying when his little like speeches behind their dialogue like someone was like um oh he's so cute in the background he's like tremble <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then xander's like who's a little fear dim and he's like i'll bring the terror <laughs> like on the background <laughs> jaws is like don't taunt the fear demon and he's like why can he hurt me he's like it's just tacky <laughs> <laughs> oh so funny i've missed this Mm-hmm. It's been like four episodes into the season and we have not had one scene with all of them working together because, you know, we had Kathy and then we had the last episode that was, you know, everybody was separated with their own romance thing. So this, I'm just like, yay, everybody's back together doing stuff. And other than living conditions, we haven't really had like a funny, funny episode since like the Zeppo. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. This episode is nice because it's like it's a little bit creepy. It definitely feels like Halloween and all this stuff, but it also is like just campy and fun and yeah. Like it just it's a really well blended episode. I agree. Yeah. And I love that's like awesome. the idea of it's like like the idea of fear, the fear demon itself is like so horrifying. And then it's like in reality, it's really not that big in the grand scheme of yes. things. Yes. That we, in our minds, we make it out mm-hmm. to be so much bigger yeah. than what it actually is. Yep. And then he, like, looks at Buffy and he's like, they're all going to abandon you, you know. She's like, yeah, yeah. And then squishes him. <laughs> I love that she just squishes him. Um, so back at Giles' house, they're all eating the candy. 
And then Xander's Yay. just like staring at Anya. And she's like, what? He's like, that's your scary costume. Which, okay, I know it is funny, but I love the fact that we have Anya, the one out of the entire gang that dressed up as something she was actually afraid of versus everyone else dressed up as something that they felt like could combat that, which they were most afraid of, if that makes sense. Yeah, something that that could defend them. Right. Anya's the only one that's actually facing her fears here which I thought was really, really cool. This is someone who doesn't know her identity. She just knows she's afraid of bunny rabbits and she's going to mm-hmm. face it head on, which I thought was cool. Well, she's she's not necessarily like a defender in the gang yet. Like everyone else is like has to fight the vampires, has to go through all of this. And so they're wearing something that could defend them. Um, but Anya is wearing something that she's scared of. So it kind of shows her role in the gang right now. And then Giles is like reading the... Gakinar part in the book and he is like super upset and Buffy's like is there something wrong and he's like <laughs> he's like look at this it shows the actual size and the description it says actual like, size on the so, page <laughs> so funny and it's like uh, right in the corner of like the drawing too it's like literally right there and he's like so yep. mad at himself and then it cuts uh, to black such a good episode I, I enjoy that one every time I watch it it's good agreed All right, guys, that was Fear Itself. We hope you enjoyed that. We had an absolute blast recording that, and we're just getting started. Next week is Beer Bad, which I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) So there's going to be some good stuff coming up. As always, you guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast, and email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts of this episode, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.